for you guys out there doing agent outreach, you got to remember, you got to contain their emotions right now. You have to tell them this isn't what it's like anymore. Because you got to think, right? That we always talked about how many real estate agents just got their license, right. including myself. I have never known another market than what we had in 2020, 2022. Yep. But I'm conscious enough of the situation to know this is not normal. Right. So don't get used to it. Right. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling. Hey guys, Darren Bentley here and welcome to another episode of the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. Today's episode is a special one as our very own Brent Daniels will be covering everything you need to be doing to become a millionaire before age 30. And let me tell you, Brent truly brings the heat in this episode. He's joined by real estate wholesaling expert, Albert Bowie, and what can only be described as a masterclass on wholesaling and entrepreneurship. They cover everything from how to profit in today's changing market. You're not going to want to miss what they have to say about that. They also talk about how to make more money with realtors, finding the right ones to partner with, how to speak with them, like the exact things to say, and everything you need to be doing to pull deals straight from the MLS. They also do a very intense Q&A session that is just pure gold. If you are struggling to make money in this business, you cannot afford to miss this episode. Enjoy. Welcome to Millionaire Before 30, where we are on a mission to give you the most proven plan, the proven path to becoming a millionaire before the age of 30. I am Brent Daniels, Mr. TTP, and we have a special super host here with Mr. Albert Bowie. What's Thank up, you. Albert? Nothing much. Glad to be up here uh, on the set. We're excited. We're going to start fast here, guys. We just got out of our 75-day Millionaire Before 30 challenge, which was really centered on taking a lot of action, talking to a lot of property owners, and also adding in agents to the mix. Not only just talking to agents, but seeing them face-to-face -face in open houses. Yes. And getting out in front of them, and really building those relationships so that you can start getting referrals. I am telling you guys, as you are building your real estate business, it all starts out with a lot of hustle, a lot of hustle, a lot of hustle for your first 12, 24, 36 months, really. And then at that point, you've built up a lot of relationships where you should start getting some referrals coming in. That's, and that's right. when you really start getting some profitability because the marketing cost is zero typically mm -hmm. with referrals, which is just, it, it adds to the bottom line. And the mm -hmm. more you have at the bottom line, the more that you can add really good personnel to your team and then really grow it as a business because that's what it's about. Right. It's just the hockey stick. You know, it's a very stable, slow and steady growth, but you do the right work at the very end of the hockey stick. You just skyrocket up to the top. That's All it. the referrals start pouring in and you can have a very sustainable business 
based on just referrals. So I want to take this unique opportunity because Ryan Zolan is in, uh, where is he right Chicago. now? He's in Chicago right now. He's taking a week off during the summer, which is fantastic. There he is. He's in Chicago, but his heart is in the show. So That's that right. is absolutely incredible. But well, actually, before we get to it, because I want to break down what your business looks like, who you have on your team right now, mm -hmm. and what you see in the next year, two years, and what is your what is your plan to kind of pull yourself out so that you're working at a 30,000 foot view on the business, not in the business. When you earn that right, you right. guys are getting there. You guys are building a lot of momentum. But before mm -hmm. we do, we have a shout out and a bell ring. Here we go. Uh, we got this from Ryan. I literally just got this. This is from Matt Miller in Ryan's Discord. And he closed and he's he hasn't posted a lot on social media, but he wanted to share this directly in the Discord. He closed three deals during this challenge. Okay. Three deals for, um, what is it, uh, Matt? Will you give me the, the amounts one more? And there it is. 15,000, That is, uh, 24, $26,000 in 75 days doing the 75 day millionaire before 30 challenge. Let's ring that bell for this man. Here we go. Way to go, Matt. Listen, he was already, he was, he already had momentum. He was already going, you know, his train. If your business is a train going down the tracks, your lead generation is the engine, the fuel that's, right. that's moving that train. He was already building that momentum, but he took it to the next level during these 75 day challenge. Mm -hmm. And that's what we want to see. You know, that's, there is one thing to just watch something and absorb something. It's another thing to absorb it and then go out and use it. That's the whole point of the show. Mm -hmm. I think he was very situationally aware as an entrepreneur and especially in this business, too, because you're right. His lead generation was his engine. However, he saw a hill coming. Yep. He didn't just put the same amount of fuel and he saw the hill is coming. Yep. So he put it in more and more. Ah, more. There he is. What's up, yeah, man? This works when we do. That's the absolute fact. I mean, you mm -hmm. listen, the plan will work if you do. That's number one is just putting in the work. And I think a lot of times we sabotage ourselves because we want to put in, we want to pass it through the filter of our own experience yeah. as opposed to just taking the instruction, going out and, and using it, testing it and seeing what the results are. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We always want to put it through that filter that says, well, I don't know. I tried that before and it didn't really work or whatever else. Just stop. Or maybe you didn't try it or maybe you, you're, you think that something's going to work better. Just stop. Just implement it's just, listen, the more people you talk to, the luckier you will be, the more profitable you will be. It That's is right. without a doubt. So talk to me about your team. You and Ryan. Yes. Business partners. Yes. 50-50. Business partners. I wouldn't say 50-50. We're yep. not intertwined in yep. each of our own businesses. We're technically separate entities, yet we work together in the same. How does that work? Because um, I think right. this is really important because a lot mm -hmm. of people start out, especially young in their careers, mm -hmm. where you want to squat up with somebody that has that fire in their belly like you do, mm -hmm. because it's very rare. Right. It's, it's actually very rare to find somebody that actually has a big motor and they're actually taking action, especially in mm -hmm. your early 20s, you know, when people are kind of doing college yeah. and they're kind of getting into jobs or they're kind of getting into a side hustle, but they're yeah. not really consistent. You find somebody that's consistent with it, you squat up. Mm -hmm. I did it with my best friend, Mike Mahoney. Mm -hmm. We did that for years. And then I did it with another really great friend of mine, Dustin Monger. And mm -hmm. then what we found is uh, when we split it off, we made more. So you started off already you split? split off, but you guys uh -huh. are connected in in what sense? How do you how do you keep that we relationship both, with not 
digging into each other's pie. The thing is, we complement each other. Okay. So we make the same pie, yet we bring different ingredients. Okay. So with that said, I came in, I had nothing about wholesale, knew nothing. I came in with flip knowledge. I knew, I came in with rehab, construction. I knew what an end buyer saw. So that was my perspective. Yeah. Right? Ryan's perspective was working with realtors, working with wholesaling and knowing that aspect. So um, for example, he had the left lens, I had the right lens, put it together. Now we have 3D glasses. Awesome. So now we can see everything together. So together, that's how our business works as we complement each other. Do you split profits? Do we split profits? Uh, yeah. yeah. We actually, because it's fair. We believe that it's fair for each of us to be compensated for the value that we bring. Okay. And although some deals, we're very transparent about money and profits okay. because we talk about it very openly because we know it's a long burn. Yeah. So even though we'll take a short hit here or it's like, it's fine, I got this one because mm -hmm. we know the long-term goal is bigger than being petty over five grand here, five grand there but we keep it very tight ship. So what do you say to somebody that wants to partner up with their best friend? They want to partner up with somebody that they met at a meetup or maybe a mastermind or something where they, mm -hmm. you know, there's like-minded people that you get together and you're like, oh my gosh, dude, you're like so badass and I'm badass. Like, let's be <laughs> badass together. Yeah. I would say don't force it. It's yeah. like uh, living with your best friend. You know, you guys are great friends, but then you guys become roommates. That, that may destroy really it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you might see it. So you have to really see what a person really is in their entirety and what they bring to the table. Yeah. We didn't immediately jump to a partnership together. We were just like, oh, let's just help me out with this. I'll help you out with this. Sell my flip for me. Um, and he just kept pouring value into me. He kept yeah. teaching, hey, you should try this wholesale thing. And when I figured it out, that's when I made the conscious decision to be like, all right, he's been barking in my ear long enough. Let's do this. This is something that is mutually beneficial. And we have the same vision. Yeah. We have the same goals to where they're big enough to where other people's goals and visions can fit underneath ours. So... Do you have your own staff and he has his own staff? We use the same team. Okay. And when I say different entities, it means we both have our own LLCs that we have our own control over okay. that we use for our own various controls. Why? It's cleaner. Okay. Because we believe that even though we do business together, not everything we need to do needs to be together. Right. Does that make sense? Yep. So although the business, we react together, you know, and everything that we do, there's other things that we like to do outside that we have opposing views on or differing views. Like what? Um, that you do outside of each other. So we have we had haven't done outside, but for example, Airbnbs. Yes. Right. He has a vision of just like the vacation. You know, it has to be a destination location. Yeah. I have the vision of Airbnb. Like, why not appeal to corporate rentals? Yeah. Why not appeal to people that are you know flying just to go to the destination? They don't need to spend a lot on the uh, uh, Airbnb, the yeah. location. Yeah. So rather than strain our business relationship by you know, okay, fine, I'll give you this and then I'll do this. Like, hey, you try yours, I'll try mine. Let's see what happens. And then if something is mutually beneficial in the middle, let's come back and reconfigure. I think it's very important that although we work together, we have a fine line of, hey, let's, this is our thing. Hey, this is your thing. And we're totally okay with it. Love it. It's everything that, you know, fits to our personality. How many people in your company? Right now we have seven. Seven. Uh, W2, 1099. What do you do? We have actually 1099. Yep. Most of people pay off commission. And then we have one that just Are came out as W2. licensed agents? Most of them, yes. Yeah. Licensed agents. Okay. So they got their is license like a, coming on. Is it like a small mini real estate team that's very Basically, typical in a, in a real estate brokerage? In a real estate brokerage, real estate team. But yet, I think the deciding factors we're all young yeah you know we're all in our 20s all trying to figure it out all trying to build our own businesses so it's very fun to be in the office because everyone's pursuing the same thing sure you know i think it's uh, like in college they say that's the last time you'll ever be around uh the same like-minded folks ever again yeah everyone is in college for the same reason right they want to yeah. get a degree they want to yeah. get a job yeah now when you work in a job 
those people are like, oh, I just want to go home with my family. Whereas the next person, like, I'm trying to be CEO. Yep. You, you have opposing views, but our team is so fun because everyone's trying to achieve financial freedom. Everyone's trying to help each other. Everyone's trying to do. How do stuff. you how do you keep people then? Isn't that like a high turnover? I mean, there's people are watching. They're like, mm. why would I hire somebody that has an entrepreneurial mind and has a vision that fits inside your vision? Uh, if at some point they're just gonna just take what you teach them and your processes and then go somewhere else, and now you have to restart over. Or something. I think else. if you hire people based on the notion that I'm scared to hire them because they'll leave, yeah, then you'll never hire the right people. You want them to leave because. Not necessarily want them to leave, right? You want to build and give them the skills that they want to leave, but they don't because they choose to stay. They okay. love the culture. You're not forcing someone to keep them. But They're are these entrepreneurs? Choice. I think so. They're gonna leave you. Without a doubt, bro. I think I <laughs> think the self doubt. you're not no wrong. Doubt about it. I think everyone has their own entrepreneurial level yeah. per se. Yeah. You know, the true entrepreneur, yes. I think the right ones will leave and do their own thing because they see that they can do the work on their own. Mm -hmm. But the ones that want to be, say, an entrepreneur, the ones that want to work within an umbrella of a team, they yeah. have the entrepreneurial spirit, yet they may still want that structure okay. of, say, a company and a job. Yep. That's where I think the fine balance is where we want the entrepreneurial skills, we want people to stay, yet we can provide a structure for you to be free in your own creative will. Got it. Constantly recruit then. I'm telling you, because they once they leave, mm -hmm. then you have a spot to fill. That's true. But then, you know, what I mean? you know after I left my corporate job, yeah. I think everyone's replaceable. Everyone sure. is. So although you don't want them to leave as a business owner and entrepreneur, you need to be prepared that yeah. if they do, your business can continue on. So I've always found that, um, and this took me a long time and uh, a lot of discussions with mentors that had mm -hmm. built, you know, 10, 20, $30 million businesses. They said, if they get a salary, they're mm -hmm. going to stick around. If you give them a salary, if they want the security of a salary, they're going to stick around. Mm -hmm. If not, I mean, you've got maybe two years, maybe two and a half years before they blossom into mm -hmm. budding uh, business owners themselves. Yeah. Um, so just something to, to to think about and prepare for that. Mm -hmm. Unless you have a different model where you know their business fits under your umbrella and mm -hmm. your brand. Yeah. So that's a different thing. If you're building your own brand of of mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. Of selling these deals or helping them sell, mm -hmm. you know, dispo. I see a lot of people build up their teams, but they still handle selling all the deals because they have the cash bar database and the yeah. relationships. Yeah. So what's the missing piece that they don't have that you do mm -hmm. that can keep them in your world that's going to be really beneficial? Yeah. And I think it's a very good distinction to think about when you're building your business. Right now, I consider myself self-employed, not yeah. a business owner, yeah. because I'm still in my business. I'm still figuring out, I'm doing my own books. Like I'm doing everything that I need to keep uh, myself running, mm -hmm. the flips going, stuff like that. But when you get to a business, that's when you're at the point where things are repeatable and scalable yep. to where you have people that can work on it, where you're moving 10 steps ahead while that can still run without you in it. Love it. Uh, let's transition because I want to crack this thing open, guys. Yes. This is a participation show. So mm -hmm. we need your comments. We need your questions. There's three parts to the show. Obviously, uh, that is number one. We want to answer any questions that you have. Number two, we yes. want to celebrate any successes that you have. And number three, you need to squat up. All right. Uh, so I want to, I want to like stir the pot a little bit here. I want to stir up let's some stir comments. I want to stir, yes. stir up some, uh, participation with the mm -hmm. audience here. Uh, MLS deals. 
Bread and butter. Bread and butter. Agent deals. Bread and butter for you and Ryan. Literally AI agent investors. That's the brand. Yes. Right. I mean, yes. that is that is, uh, you know, you've got your shirt there. The ones. collaboration over competition. So you were working with a lot of agents. You're putting in a lot of offers on the MLS. A lot of mm -hmm. these offers were going to a select group of investors that were doing fix and flips, and you knew that they were going to be buying those. Some of those have tightened up. Yes, we all know that. Yep. Uh, and also, you guys were selling some to institutional buyers. Tightened up, so the world wants to know <laughs> during this type of climate mm -hmm. that we're in, if your business is built off of MLS deals, going after MLS deals mm -hmm. and agent relationships, how does that still run while things tighten up? And by yeah. the way, fifteen percent. We just we, we were just talking about it before the show. Fifteen percent. Mm -hmm. Of the real estate market, Correct. of the deals that were under contract, mm -hmm. canceled. In some markets, it was as high. In Vegas, it was 28%. Really? Yes. In Vegas, wow. it was 28%. The national average is 15%. I bet mm -hmm. in our market, it was probably closer to 20 And higher. Right? Range, sure. And I think a lot of those were probably hedge fund buyers and yep. some other buyers or buyers that were going after properties that had like a lipstick remodel. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, the stat That's, in, in yeah. Phoenix... Only 10%, there's 15, uh, just about 1,600, if you do the math, about 1,600 active and pending listings for open door in our mm -hmm. market, 1,460 some odd, what is it, 1,489 are active, 142 are pending, Man. that's less than 10% pending for these uh, eye buyers that just go in carpet paint, don't do a lot of rehab. Times yeah. are a changing. Yeah, that's what How I said. How do you adjust, uh, Albert? How do you well, still do deals on the MLS? How do you still this do is, This is what agents? I said a few shows ago. People yep. no longer need to buy your house. Right. You need to make sure they want to buy your house. That's it. And for someone to want to buy the house, you need to put in the work to remodel. An end buyer does, right? Which it, means... When you're saying that real quick, sorry, yes. I know I'm, I'm, I'm cutting you short there because I really want people to understand this. Mm. I understand that you might not be flipping and you're wholesaling. And I yes. love that. But the people you're selling to are flippers now. The rest of them are gone. Airbnb, gone. Right? Hedge funds, really gone. tight. Right? Gone. Mm -hmm. uh, Burr strategy, gone. Rental buyers have to get smoking deals. Flippers are around. Flippers are around. Flippers are around. This is who you, is going to keep you alive during mm -hmm. these next 60 days of turbulence while everything kind of settles out and we figure out what the heck is going on with interest rates and with payments. Right. So there you go. So, so you can't just get away with no, putting anything out there. Can't just get away with putting down the cheaper flooring, putting down paint. And actually, you actually have to do the work now in terms of you, got it, you can't cut your corners anymore. People want to buy your house, which means you need it deeper. You got to spend more. So to leverage that with agents, it's now setting expectations that, hey, listen, we're no longer in the market where I need to buy your house. I need to want it. And if your seller wants to sell their house to me, this is where I need to have it at because it's an ugly house, right? No one's going to walk in here and think, oh, this is a lovely house. It smells like cat pee. And no one's going to want that. Mm -hmm. So the flippers are going to be the ones that are going to be the ones that are brave enough to buy it with cash. So for you, for you guys out there doing agent outreach, you got to remember, you got to contain their emotions right now. You have to tell them this isn't what it's like anymore because you got to think, right? That we always talked about how many real estate agents just got their license, right. including myself. I have never known another market than what we had in 2020, 2022, yep. but I'm conscious enough of the situation to know this is not normal. Right. So don't get used to it. Right. So how do you pivot? How do you still get deals off the MLS? You just get, do the same things that you do. Okay. But be more patient, right? Selling is an emotional decision backed by logic. 
Be patient with the seller's response to lower offers. Both the sellers and the, the agents. agents. Yeah, because they may give you the middle finger first time around, but I just got a text like, hey, this one canceled. And they may be sticker All shocked. day yeah. long. They may this, be sticker shocked, but... This is the safety net market. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by safety net is throw in that low offer as the safety net because they're going to cancel if they're higher than what you're offering. And I'm telling everybody out there right now, whatever mm -hmm. it's listed at, if it's above 250000 you're at 60% of list price. That's about where we're at. Seriously. Yep. Uh, if it's below that... You got to go real low. If it's below 250, 40%. If you're below a uh, hundred thousand, you need to be at like 15% of list. Mm -hmm. Seriously, maybe lower depending on what it's listed at. And depending on the condition of the house is for sure. percent. There's a point where it becomes like a diminishing returns at some point. You know, there, there's just so much to do yet. Not enough house to make a wow out of it. And mm -hmm. you're only, you're capped up yep. at only so much you can sell. Now, one advice that uh, I gave both you and Luke yesterday, Luke Runfold, uh, Viking Boys, they do a lot of flips. They have a lot out there, and they're doing mm -hmm. phenomenal. But anything that is sitting on the market with your cash buyers, here's some advice to give them. If they're like, well, uh, these listings are just not moving, whatever else. Mm -hmm. I would, And this is a tactic from 2005 and six that we used when interest rates were were th at this level before, because I've been through this, I've seen this. This is nothing new. It is new because it's been a while, but it's like it, it's like an echo of the past type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, you need to tell them to offer to pay points on the mortgage. You can get that mortgage down to 2020, 2021, and pretty close rates, which is what the buyers want if the seller is willing to pay the points down. Talk to a loan officer. Talk to it seriously. Talk to a mm -hmm. loan officer and say, how many points do I have to pay for it to get down to a point where the, the payment is as low as it was in 2021 and 20? I'm telling you, that is a game changer that will push the buyers over the edge if you've got really good product. Yeah. Seriously. Hey, guys, listen to me. Tell every cash buyer. And if you have a flip, if you're doing a flip, this is going to be common for the next 24 months. I'm mm -hmm. For real. For the next 24 months, people are going to buy down the points. You can buy down that interest rate by paying a percent. A point is 1% of the loan amount uh, and, and see how many points you're allowed to buy that thing down so that they can get to an interest rate that keeps them at a really, really, really strong payment. And if you look on the back end of the lifetime of the loan, it saves them tens of thousands of dollars. It's a huge benefit. Yep. So Compounds. if you've got a good, clean property or your 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 cash buyers do, your flippers do, mm -hmm. uh, and it's just not moving, but they're, they're still getting action on it. If they're getting showings on it, that means that the, the pricing's probably okay, but you need something to push the buyers over the edge, offer two, three, mm -hmm. five points, whatever it is, depending on the deal, to pay down that loan and get them at a better interest rate. Yeah, and that's the advice that you gave me, and I'm going to implement that yep. and see what happens. Because although I'm getting feedback, you also um, taught me another good gem to where you're asking the if-then statements. Like, if this were to change, mm -hmm. what would the offer be, mm -hmm. right? So now I'm digging for the offer. I'm looking for the pain points because not everyone's like you and me. Not yeah. everyone can spew out their um, objections and, you know, be brave enough to tell someone like, no, it's just too expensive or it's just ugly. Right. So you kind of got to fish and ask for it because if you don't ask for it, they may not tell you. And right. you could be $50,000 away from the deal. Yeah. And it's literally that close, but you'll never know until you ask. That's it. And, and instead of taking huge price reductions on these properties that are getting showings mm -hmm. offer to pay down the rates, that's all it is. That's all that's going to push them over, especially in the dog days of summer.
You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's everywhere. It's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's super hot here uh -huh. for us, uh, just locally here in Phoenix, but uh, everywhere, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere. So some advice there for everybody to take and implement and have those conversations with your cash buyers so they can unload their properties faster, which means it frees up their money, which means that you get to sell them more deals, deals. right? Because you can't wholesale without a cash buyer unless you are the only cash buyer and then you turn into a flipper. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you you got to get significant discounts, mm -hmm. right? And you need to make sure that your buyers are making great profits and selling these properties quickly like they did over the last few years. Right. right. How are we looking on comments? Are we getting to go? Okay. All hundreds giving up. us the green light. So here we go. Uh, Matthew, look at that smile and beard. Come on. Nice. This guy's a model. I got a good probate lead. My first time going driving for dollars by talking to the mailman. L -O hey, listen, I am telling you, there is always somebody in the neighborhood that knows everything about the neighborhood and the yes. mailman. Listen, in my experience, most mailmen have the headphones in. They don't want to talk to anybody, but <laughs> some of them are just very, you know, yeah. expressive and gregarious and they're going out there and they're just uh, very ebullient. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. They're jamming out there. Look up that word. That's the vocabulary word of the day. Ebullient. Ebullient. Oh, here we go. We're going to ring a bell. Here we go. Oh, for this? For for the lead? Yeah, we're ringing yeah. for the lead. There we go. Edgar, amigo, after two years listening to your shows, I finally made my first five. Well, you better keep that bell down for Edgar. Holy cow. All right. Listen, it only took you, uh, what is that, 820 days, 830 days? That's amazing. No, what's 365 times two? Here we go. Let's see. Let's see, Edgar. 300, 365 days times two. 730. There we go. It was 100 days off. Uh, that is awesome. You are Congrats. a winner. You are a winner. Listen, five cold calls today to keep doing it every single day. Here you go. I'm going to rip that thing off. That, <laughs> that, bell, that bell's on its last days. I'm being very, very gentle. Look at this like one. Are you kidding? 12-8? Wow. Dupree Prentice in the house. Closed my first deal. Got my check today. It netted me 12800 Come on. Congratulations. That is absolutely incredible. Congratulations. $12,800. I remember the first time I got mm -hmm. a five-figure check in my account, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a lot. I was like, what is this? Oh, my goodness gracious. That mm -hmm. was like balling out. I think I bought like a fake, uh, fake like a Car Cartier watch or something. <laughs> I, did, I totally did. Mike and I found this like fake watch website at like oh, yeah? 23 years old or 20. Oh, and, and Yeah, we did. We bought these. It was so stupid. It was it was ridiculous. We're like, listen, I, I had this thing. I was like, yeah, if you're young, I was like, you could be wearing anything. You could be wearing like a tank top and like, you know, basketball shorts. But if you have a dope watch on, everybody's going to be like so impressed. Nobody's <laughs> impressed. Nobody's impressed. Nobody knows. But that's my mind. That was my mind as a young man. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we get that's that. silly. Congratulations. That's awesome. Silly. Hey, Brent, are you constantly recruiting? How did you recruit your team members? Um, no, not really. For my... So I have two businesses. Obviously, I've got the coaching side and I've got my wholesale business. My wholesale business, I have been actively recruiting my friends for 18 years. So I finally got them a couple of years ago. I got uh, it started with one domino and then the rest came. My buddy Jeremy started dating a gal named Jackie. And Jackie was uh, the executive assistant for a very uh, high profile person in Chicago. She lived oh, cool. in Chicago and she was tired of corporate. So she became a 
uh, she would try, she wanted to travel and was tired mm-hmm. of the grind. And so she wanted to go and uh, become a certified house sitter. Yes. Certified house sitter. So wealthy people There's, will hire certified whoa. house sitters to come into their house. That's and they're cool. gone for the certified. summer or they're gone for the winter oh. or whatever else. And so she would live mm. and get paid to live in these luxury houses <laughs> around the around the, that's around awesome. the country or that's world. That's so cool. And so that's, uh-huh. that's what she did. I mean, you don't get paid much, but you get free place and, yeah. and you get to travel and that type mm-hmm. of thing. And so she met Jeremy during this whole process and, you know, fell in love. And so I was like, wow, she was on it. So I was like, I need a lead manager. I need somebody to to be my integrator in my business. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was able to convince her. And then Jeremy's like, hey, you know, he was doing drop shipping. Jeremy was doing yeah. drop shipping in like 2013. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He was way ahead of the curve. Yeah, he was making a ton of money doing it, and then you know it kind of got saturated. He saw the writing on the wall, Mm -hmm. and he's like, "Hey, I'd like to do this." He started with me doing land. We're doing a lot of land deals, and then he transferred over to being my disposition manager. And then we were able to get uh, Chad. We did actively recruit Chad. We went on LinkedIn, and we were looking for people that had experience or were actively doing door to door sales. He was doing door to door Mm -hmm. solar sales in Phoenix, in July, in COVID. Man. Prime COVID. Prime, prime COVID. So he's out there with a mask on, knocking on strangers' doors in 118 degrees. And so we're like, okay, great. So then we brought him in. He became junior acquisition. And then I was able to convince uh, one of my best friends, Ryan Thornton, who was on the show yesterday, my acquisition manager, to come on. He was a former police officer. And you could drop him anywhere and he's going to charm everybody and, and just incredible personality. Wow. So uh, it rounded out the team. So that's the four main team members. Um, we've got Lisa, who's been my virtual assistant for over seven years. And we've got Fran, my caller, who's been with me four years. And then we've got another caller and two texters. And that's the team. It's yeah. an entrepreneurship. So cool. It's so cool. All the opportunities that you're able to provide to your friends just because you went out and you had this big wild idea that yep. I'm going to get ugly houses and get big checks. Yep. That's it. Ugly houses, <laughs> big checks. That's, that, that sets everything up. Yeah. And then my parents, my mom's my bookkeeper and my dad's my, you know, uh, part-time CFO to make sure that I don't spend more, make sure <laughs> I don't repeat what happened in my twenties. So I put kind of like a um, controller there, a filter there to make sure that anything over what five thousand bucks or is it five hundred bucks has to be approved. Something like 500. that. Five hundred. Ah, Look at them all. They're all, They're all pissed off. They're all like, oh god. They have to do presentations. It's the whole thing. It's wonderful. Okay, so, keeping a tight lock. There you go. Uh, Jose, how do I add value to probate leads? Love it. Um, well, it's the same thing. We are we are of service. You know, you want to find out what they need, what they need help with, and see if you can just match up the pieces. That's that's yep. truly all we are. We're here to help people and provide solutions for it. Yeah. So a lot of the, you just have to see what their plan is with the property. Seventy five percent of people that go through inheriting a property and the probate process uh, sell their property within the first ninety days of new ownership. Because typically these properties are dated or they're just a lot of families aren't in a position to renovate the property or just move somebody it. into the property. Yeah. The other 25% people move into it and whatever mm-hmm. else or or they keep it as a rental or, or whatever. So there's a huge amount of value you can provide there, Jose. You know, it's just making sure that you are communicating with the decision maker. And that's usually the personal representative of the that's going to be able to make the decision on that property. Mm-hmm. So somebody's typically, uh, somebody always is elected to make the decision on if they're going to sell the property, keep the property, and then what is the strategy for that sale. Mm-hmm. 
So the, it's a tremendous amount. I mean, it's a huge burden for a lot of families. I mean, not necessarily like burden, burden, but like they, it's a burden if they kept it. So they want yeah. to get rid of it. Yeah. And keep in mind, it's an emotional time too. So the, the more compassionate you are, the more sympathetic, the more likely they'll probably give you information and figure out, <laughs> figure out how to just help the family out. Yep. Uh, Eva, how do you sell a, sell with a house in the MLS with the agent and people not see your re-upped price? How do you wholesale a property off the MLS? Gotcha. Without the agent that, uh, the listing agent has in their mind. One, start off by setting expectation with the listing agent, right? Make sure they understand that one, you are the buyer, but make sure they understand that, hey, listen, wholesaling is one of my exit strategies. I do flip, I do buy these properties. However, I'm an investor. Wholesaling is one of my exit strategies. Just want to make sure that's clear with you. But at the end of the day, your seller's getting this price that I put on the paper. Right. The only reason they're they're afraid is that it's a risk to the transaction. Yep. So as long as you can reassure that agent that yes, you're taken care of, don't worry, then that's okay. And then now you worry about your cash buyers. Make sure you have a solid set of cash buyers. When I joined with Ryan, like he said, five cash buyers that were the best that we did all our business with. They were the ones that were able to buy our properties. We didn't have to blast it out. We didn't have to publicly just send it everywhere. It was yep. a tight VIP buyer list. So smart set expectations, yep. VIP buyer list. There you go. How much in this market, if they see, if your cash buyers see that it's listed for 300, mm -hmm. but it's fixed up, it's 450. You got it for 280 and you put it out for 300. Mm -hmm. Are they buying that? As for me, when I think about that, as long as there's enough meat on the bone at the end, sure. But if you're making too much, sometimes they, they're like, come on, I need to work. If it's a good cash buyer. Right now, they would buy it if it was not, I can listed tell, on the market for the list price? No, right now, I can tell you right. no. Right. For list price, no. Let me explain something. As as it's if, it's, if it's on the market and it's been on the market for, you know, whatever, two weeks, 30 days or over, and they don't have an investor, and it's a rough house. It's like a fix and flip, you know, mm -hmm. investor handyman special, investor fix and flip special, whatever. They put it in the in the public remarks, and nobody on the planet is giving them a cash offer. You need to be way lower. They're they're overpriced. Property. The only reason properties don't sell on the market is one reason, one reason only: price. Price. It is always price. It is always price, and and price value is determined by a ready, willing, and able buyer every single time. Mm -hmm. So when somebody puts a property on the market and it doesn't sell quickly, it's because they didn't price it right. They want too much. The world is telling them nobody's going to buy this. Mm -hmm. And the uglier the house, the smaller the retail buyer pool gets. There's only a select few that yeah, will actually touch that house. A lot of these house. have to be cash offers. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be huge potential off the MLS here, but you got to get it way, way, way lower. Mm -hmm. Far lower. And once inventory starts going up and, and properties start sitting on the market and start getting rust, a little bit of moss on them, people are going to get desperate and they're going to they're, yeah. they're going to get realistic. And the beautiful thing is there's a lot of equity in them. Uh, Lewis, how can I send my on-market deal to Ryan for JV in Dallas-Fort Worth? It has fantastic. Uh, we got an email. You can send that to Lewis and we will all take a look at it. I think that's Luis. Luis. My apologies, Luis. Sure. It's uh, deals at 34holdings.com. You can send that Save there. Again. Deals with an S at 34holdings.com. We'll put it in the comments. Com. Nice job getting that, sir. What is 34 Holdings? Uh, that's Ryan's LLC, 34 Holdings that we uh, wholesale out of. What's the 34 about? I'm not a sports guy. He's going to hate me for butchering, but I'm pretty sure it's a reference to a uh, Chicago Bears player. Yeah. Is that Walter Payton? Oh, that sounds right. 34 Walter, <laughs> I think 34 is Walter Payton. Can somebody pull that up? Can we get a picture on this 
on the screen of Walter Payton. I think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, Tammy, trying to squat up, but no luck. Central Kentucky. Well, Tammy, keep squatting up. Keep getting loud. Uh, you know, Tammy, mm -hmm. what I would highly suggest, and this is for everybody, not just Tammy, but Tammy for you specifically, do a story of you doing something in real estate today. For real. Start the conversation. Right? You could do it by just just posting us and tagging us in it. Do that, Tammy. I knew it. That's it. I knew it. Sweetness, baby. Everything by John Firebro uh, from What Leads. That was from Matt. Oh, from Matt. Had for the, um, he called, I think it's in that text. What did he say in that text? I know it's from an agent referral mm -hmm. for one. Since I was already doing real estate, I doubled the outreach goals and piggyback them onto what I was already doing, which is about 30 calls and 10 doors each day took two. Oh yeah. So he called, mm -hmm. listen right there. I am telling you 225 seller conversations, right? Everything by John. Listen, the stats are this. If you talk to 200 distressed property owners, you will get a deal. Now he's at 225. That just proved it right there. It's in that plus or minus 10, 12% there. And the better you get, the smaller that number is, the higher your skills and the better lists that you have. So when you're starting out, you want to make sure that you get a driving for dollars list. 80% of new real estate investors get their first deals from driving for dollars. Ugly houses. Just look for ugly houses. And I would highly suggest, yeah, you put, Matt, you were on it, bro. I love it. Uh, Deal Machine, I highly suggest you get it. It's very reasonable, and it does all the heavy lifting for you. It tells you if it's owner-occupied or if it's vacant or if a tenant's in there. It tells you who owns it. It tells you how long they've owned it. It tells you potential equity, mm -hmm. and you just literally drive around or do it virtually on your laptop through Google Maps, and you can just click properties that are ugly, add them to your database, and then you can uh, reach out to them. You can call them. You just skip trace them. You skip trace them through batchskiptracing.com. Take your list out of Deal Machine. You put it in batchskiptracing.com and you get you get all the accurate phone numbers. And then you call them up. And then you use the script from TTP Insider. Oh, he's flowing today. Uh, TTP Insider, ton of free resources, downloads, tools, everything by John. If you're not already in there, you need to be in there. If, if you have not signed up for that, make sure that you do. All right? Awesome. And just listen, while I'm on a, a little tools and pitch fest here, uh, guys, if you're not subscribed, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Mm -hmm. Every single day we put out uh, new content, giving you instruction on how to absolutely crush it as a real estate entrepreneur, how to build a million dollar business that runs without you. Make sure that if you're not subscribed, you subscribe right now. You have finally found the channel that cuts out all the fluff, all the BS, all the extra steps, all the ego, mm -hmm. and gives you straight injections of instruction, the actual action plan. So make sure you do it. Come on, Dylan. Nice. Rip that bell off. Been watching you for two years. And I just locked up two deals within 30 minutes of each other last week here in my market in Tampa. On, bro. Dylan, you know what I'm going to tell you? Get them sold. Get them sold. Get them yep. sold. We're getting an update. This just in, we've got a three-part update, breaking news from Teresa. Uh, I called the ex-wife today. The ex-husband mentioned going into the convo as though I never spoke to him. So that's what I did. Asked her about selling. So here's the deal. Uh, Teresa has been taking mad action, everybody, and, and has been going. And she's been participating in these live shows a lot and is 
implemented it, and look what happens, results. So here's the deal. Uh, she had a situation where husband wants to sell. Okay. Wife doesn't want to sell. They got married in Barbados. So a husband and wife not legally recognized here. So there's not a divorce decree. They're no longer together. They own a property together. They're both on title. Oh, okay. Okay. We got a situation. So it's not like they were married here, Uh have a deal on title. The court goes, okay, you get these assets, you get those assets, right? Tricky, tricky deal. Yeah. So let's say, (laughs) let's get caught up. This is like a, this is like a soap opera. I love like it. Okay. The husband okay. mentioned going into the convo as though I never spoke to him. Nice. So that's what I did. Asked her about selling. She said, not right now. Ooh. I said, when in the future is she looking to sell? She said it again. Not right now. I said, okay, please let me know what we can do for you. She hung up. LOL. I plan on calling back. back. We have the investor speaking to the husband today. Any tips? Yes. You have to get her on board. You have 100%. to get her on board. She's a decision maker. I mean, if she's on title, he can't sell his portion to the property. I mean, maybe he can. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that works. That that's a sticky one. Can you sell your rights to the property even maybe. if somebody else is on there? Maybe. I don't know if you can. That's if an interesting question. We'll have to get an attorney on to talk about that. But, real estate school. But I wouldn't. Well, you're in real estate school, Alejandro. What do you think? Yeah. I'm pretty sure you can sell your rights to it. I don't know if it's if it's personally owned. It depends on how they take title. I don't know if it's uh, rights of survivorship or whatever else. So anyway, Teresa, you got to get her on board. And so that's great. But listen, that one's going to take some time. Just from my experience, that one's going to take some time. Make sure you're adding more. Add more leads to the pipeline. So that's not the only one that you're holding on to. All right. You got this. You're making a lot of calls. You'll do it. Update Update. this just in. Sign a contract right now for the first one. How much, Dylan? Don't give it. Don't you tease us, Dylan. That's just me. need a number. Don't you give me. Signing the assignment, signing the contract right now for the first one. We want to know how much you're making so Mm -hmm. we can ring that victory bell with vigor. That's a good word. Yep. Uh, Dimitri. Wholesaled 51 vacant lots so far this year, 312,000 in assignment fees with only 4,400 spent in marketing and no other expense. Goal is 800 for the year. Let's look at that. Go back to that one. What is it? What do you say? 312,000? Yes. And uh, 4,400 in expenses. Right. And 4,400 in expenses. That's in 312. I got my calculator here, so you guys are really in trouble now because we're going to look at the real deal here. I mean, you are at uh, basically, I don't know, I'm doing this wrong. You are at a (laughs) wonderful profit percentage there. There you go. I mean, it's basically like 98% or 97%. Yep. Yeah, he's overseas. overseas. Mm Where is Dimitri living? Somewhere in Europe? Dimitri, where are you at? We want to know where you are, okay? Goal is 800000 Uh, Yeah, Von mm-hmm. Kamp. I would say Belgium. Belgium. Ah. He's doing this for Belgium. Belgium. That's like David, my TTP student that is in Nigeria, mm-hmm. closed four deals in his first um, three wow. months. Absolutely incredible. That I mean, I have a I have a lot of students in TTP that are in Tel Aviv in Israel. Yeah, and uh, and just absolutely crushing. And guys, they do it all with this thing, this thing, and this this is our portal to to whatever amount of money you want to make. For real, yeah. it's this. And I'm telling you, like 
the the most successful people that I know are on that phone all day long. All doing, day long. Doing productive things. All not, day long. Not scrolling, not doing anything. It's making calls. All day calls. long. Yep. All day long. New new relationships, working deals, you know, uh, networking. Like, it's absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, you go from using, trading your time for money, right? And, and putting in the work and getting into your hustle season. And then you build a really successful business. And a lot of these people sell their businesses or they just use their business as a cash cow for true passive wealth right? True passive income Mm -hmm. coming in. And then they just switch who they talk to. They're no longer talking to, you know, like prospecting for new business. They're now building relationships and it's absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the transition that you make, but listen, uh, I watched this great Alex Ramosi and I know I mentioned him a lot on here because I really think he's the best in the space at this time, but he talked about every single successful person that he's talked to, interviewed, been in a mastermind. Every single one of them had one common thread, one single common thread. They all went through the fire. They all went through the fire. Mm -hmm. He did like 20 personal or or gym membership sales a day for years. He did like 4,000 of them or something or 10,000 or whatever it is. I did 45,000 owner conversations, just cold Mm -hmm. calling, doing all that stuff. I mean, it's all you have to go through the fire so that you build the skills. Every single one of them did it. Every single one of them. They weren't just mm-hmm. business geniuses off the bat. They went out and actually earned it, which is absolutely incredible. And then once you have that skill, once you go through that fire, mm-hmm. you, you're a different person. Yeah. yeah. You better. You got it, Dimitri. You're giving me energy. Come on, man. So vice versa. It is uh, reciprocated for sure. TTP, let's go. Triple bananas. It is bananas. I love that the bananas reflects off of the whiteboard back there. Oh, that's good. <laughs> The real honest investor, Albert, how long did it take you to lock up your first deal, whether wholesale or fix and flip? Here's how my first wholesale deal went. I legit had no idea who to get it from. I didn't understand the concept of, wait, I'm buying this house, but not really buying this house. Made zero sense for me. But what Ryan literally said was, go get this house under contract for X amount of dollars, right? And I couldn't get in contact with the owner. It was truepeoplesearch.com. Yeah called every single number on there. No answer. I saw the one iPhone text like, okay, this has to be the number. Kept trying it, kept trying it, nothing. And then one day I drove past it and I saw a leaf blower there. And here's how I knew it wasn't a landscaper because there's an electric powered leaf blower. Yeah. So I'm like, the the owner's here. So I walked right up to him and I just Why does that mean the owner's there? It's not going to be the landscaper. I didn't know for sure, but I'm like, this is a better chance that someone maintained it. Well, landscapers use the gas-powered stuff. That's right. right? They, they they don't plug into your outlets or they use batteries. No, it's it's gas-powered stuff to keep going all day. Yep. So in my head, I'm like, all right, this has to be the owner. Walked in, had a conversation with him, talked about the house, 15-minute conversation, right? Actually got his number. Turns out I had his right number. And then uh, two weeks later, finally got the contract of constantly following up. And Is I ended wholesale? Up, yeah, I have that wholesale. I, I have that check framed in my room. I hope you uh, deposited it. Yeah, I deposited it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's how I went. I literally, I I didn't know. And I told Ryan, hey, I think I did it. Uh, Five grand. I made five grand off of it. That was it. Yeah. How'd that feel? It was fantastic. Honestly, because I legit had, I didn't, I literally just said, can I buy your house? And he said, well, for this price, sure. And I'm like, Ryan, does this work? And he goes, do it. (laughs) And then a two-page contract. Oh, it's harder than that. 
It's I'm simplifying it, but this was two weeks of talking like, hey, what's the price? You know, why do you want to sell this? And going through all the qualifications. No, but points. what I'm saying is it's not harder than that. It's starting out being brave enough to ask somebody if they want to sell their property. Would you consider an offer on this property, right? So was it a rough looking house? It was rough. The weeds were overgrown. The mail was piling up on the door. Well, he's, got his, uh, he's got his leaf blower plugged in. What was, it, what, what was he just not? Was he just blowing leaves? He wasn't picking them up? Well, he had the city violations on it. They were tagging uh, it. That's why he had to clean it up. That's yeah. how I knew that, yeah. you know, no one lives here. And that's awesome. Come to find out he wasn't ready to let it go until the right offer came around. Please explain buying down points. How does that exactly work? Are you giving them a credit on the asking price? That's exactly right, Vasily. I am telling you guys, you're going to hear it here. It's going to mm -hmm. be the big thing coming up. As interest rates rise, equity from the seller is going to pay down that payment. Just Google it. Honestly, just Google it and have a conversation with loan officers and really understand what that means. But yeah, you can buy down the rate. If you give the bank upfront money, they like that. They'll get it down. They'll let the interest rate go much lower. And over the time, the lifetime of the loan, it's like ridiculous. Hundreds amount. of thousands yeah, of dollars. Well, it depends saved. on the, the purchase price. But For yeah, sure. yeah. Lots of money. I'm telling you guys, buy, mm -hmm. if you're just jumping on now, listen to me. Learn about buying down points on interest rates. Every cash buyer you have, every investor, every flipper that you have, have them offer that on deals that are stagnant, that are just sitting there. Because it'll get people down to the 2021 and 2020 interest rates. And it just it's just paying more up front instead of taking huge price reductions. If they're getting if they're getting showings on their flips, on mm -hmm. their properties, do that. If they're not, then they're overpriced anyway. They're gonna have to adjust their price and stop being ridiculous. There are so many ridiculous listings, Albert. I've been looking, I've been really going crazy in the mornings. Like yeah. I'm getting up early, I'm getting up pumped, and I'm looking at the MLS and I'm looking at all of the properties that are on the market that are just that are new to the market and what people are putting on the market. And they're mm -hmm. trying their best to squeeze every dollar out of everything and they're gonna lose all of it. They're going to lose all of it if they don't yep. price it right. You need to price things perfectly now. Seriously, if it's on the market. If one of your dispo strategies is wholetailing or whatever else, you need to. it needs to be aggressively priced or the, the inventory is going to swallow you up. We went from half a month of inventory to two months of inventory in six weeks. Bro. The number keeps creeping up. In six I weeks. I see it every day. In six weeks. That's bananas. I'm just telling you. Here we go. Joel was watching the pre-foreclosure Fortune 2.0 video yesterday, experimenting with asking if they want to sell, or do we talk about the eight solutions to keep their home for single family owner occupied? Yeah, it just depends. I mean, you want to open it up with, you know, uh, do they want to sell this property? You got to find out if this is a lead or not. And if they want to stay there, then you can offer other solutions. The fact is, if somebody's behind on their payments right now, I think it's like something like 80%, maybe 90% of people end up uh, selling the property eventually. Mm -hmm. Like even if they do a loan modification, it's they're in rough waters already. It's yeah. There's something that that's just a symptom of what's really going on mm -hmm. is the pre-foreclosure. Love it. You can still make, there's still plenty of, they're, they're not making any more land, right? So if you get the, the right piece of land Look that has the right, yeah, Dimitri is a perfect example. We have a, we have a good friend, Anthony. He, he kills in just doing land deals. Yep. There's a buyer for everything. Yep. Even dirt. Yep. Frank, uh, how should I handle a seller who wants to JV on a teardown in a great location? How should I handle? Well, <laughs> you don't. You buy yeah. in cash. It's not an option, Frank. Mm -hmm. What I would say is, first of all, it's land value. 
They're always going to expect more. Typically, in my experience, when we run into this type of thing where, where it's a teardown and it's land value, they don't want to believe it's land value. So they're like, hey, listen, I got this great piece of land. You build this property on here and we'll JV it. That only works if you get it at a ridiculously low price for the land. Mm -hmm. And then you bring it to a contractor or to a builder and say, hey, I got this ridiculous land. This owner owns it. Once you fix it up, you don't have to buy the land now, but once you fix it up and sell it, you owe this, this person X amount. The land is not valuable. I, I mean, it is and it isn't. It just depends on where you're at. But the uh, a lot of people expect like, oh, I have the land, you put in all the money, and then you get your money that you put in back, and then we'll split the profits 50-50. It's bananas. I get it's messy, too. Get a, get a set price, uh, and either they accept the cash offer. Hey, listen, I'll give you 10000 for this land. If you want to carry this land, I'll give you 12000 but that'll be once we sell it after it's already built. Don't don't play that game. Well, I got this land here and you put in 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 to build a new house and then we'll split the profits. No builder will do that. There's way more risk on the builder side. There's way more capital that needs to be laid out for that. So don't don't fall into that. I and I know exactly what you're going through, Frank. I've had this these conversations a lot. Well, this land is an incredible. You could build a multifamily here. It's zoned we can split this, the thing, yeah. and it's going to be incredible. And we'll split it. And you don't even have to buy the land now, but we'll split profits after you build something on here. If they had the money to do that, they would have done it. They're trying to squeeze something out of it that's not there. They're trying to get creative, and it's silly. Mm -hmm. They need to get a. You need to set a set price with them, and that's what they get. And they can have. They can get more. If you don't have to buy it up front and you can bring it to a builder, but then the builder has to pay you out of pocket to put that deal together. And you have to lock up that piece of land and then sell it, sell the paper. Don't play agent on it unless you have a license. Don't Correct. play middleman. And when I say middleman, you lock that up and then you find somebody to assign that to for a fee. Mm -hmm. It's just cleaner. Yep. You, know, you don't have to drag the well, seller Well, if anymore. you don't have a license, you can't. Yeah that's licensed activity and you will get slapped by the department of real estate or at least people can threaten you with it. If anything gets sticky and it's bad, it's just, mm -hmm. it, it's just, a, it's, a, it's a cloud, it's a cloud you don't want hanging yeah. over your head. Uh, Dorcas, what kind of buyer do I look for in a teardown? Well, I just went through this, right? Teardown just goes to basically your developers and your I'll big you builders. The number one, and it's not developer. Ooh, it's me. not the builder, the neighbor. You're right. You sell it's it to the neighbor. next door neighbor, or the neighbor behind it, or the neighbor, anybody that sides it and fronts it or, or whatever, not fronts it, but the sides mm -hmm. it or is behind it. Uh, you go to the neighbors and you say, hey, listen, I've got this property. What I'll do is uh, I'll clear it out if you even want to do that. Or you just say, hey, listen, I can get you this, this property. It's going to cost you. Here's the estimate to knock down this house. Do you want to mm -hmm. double your lot size? You know what I mean? The neighbors are the ones that typically like jump all, jump all over it as long as the pricing's right. And they're like, they don't want construction going on next to them for a long time. They yeah. don't want somebody to build some sort of wacky, oh, it's a sustainable uh, shipping container home <laughs> next to me that, that gets kind of built by yeah. some hippie dude for like three years. <laughs> this happens all it's the time. Yeah, This happens all the time, for real. Yeah. So... Yeah, I would I would sell it to the neighbors first, and then if you can't, then you'll have to find a developer or builder. Mm -hmm. I always think about the houses here when they tear down. There's always like the normal homes that were built in the '60s, and then this monstrosity of next course. door that just towers over. Uh, go for it, uh, goats. Thanks, Jose. If I am wholesaling, is it 
Good idea to go for your first flip to gain more capital. No. Ugly house is big checks, brother. I am telling you, mm -hmm. a flip as your first introduction to real estate entrepreneurship is going to suck the life out of you. I am telling you, everybody makes tremendous amounts of mistakes on your first flip and you'll get yeah. very discouraged. Yeah. <laughs> you want to speak to this? I, I did that. I yeah. went into flipping as my first um, avenue and the only reason I did not completely lose on it, it was thanks to the market because mm -hmm. the market was um, appreciating the way that it was and buyers needed to buy a house. I could get away with some of the mistakes that I made, but now I, I'm in this pivot position. I understand this market. Taking Brent's advice, going back to wholesaling as the the bread and butter. Well, listen, if you want, if you're talking about flipping paper, yes, flip the paper. <laughs> uh, if you're talking about flipping yes. the actual house, no, flip the paper, uh, Jose, for real. Yeah. Just get it under contract and sell it to a cash buyer. The first twelve months should be just assigning deals, right? Just getting mm. finding ugly houses, getting it to the people that want to buy them, and doing something special with them. It is an ATM machine. That is the one that gains you more capital. That's the mm -hmm. thing that's going to make your bank account real he healthy and heavy, right? And first of all, if you build a system for sourcing discounted properties, you win. Because then mm -hmm. when you do decide that you want to do all these other things, you can. Can yeah. I get that graphic, Matt, that we put yesterday with wholesaling as the foundation? Mm -hmm. uh, you start your first 12 months finding the deals and sourcing the deals, right? That's the land that you build all these other things off of. Fix and flip, rental, development, be in the bank, and coaching and mentorship. Find the deals. I would agree. And how do you find the deals? You drive around. You find ugly houses. You get the address. You put it into batch skip tracing. You get the phone number. And you call them up and use the TTP script. That's free. It's in the um, TTP Insider. Man, uh, Giovanni GJ Collin, what a username. Is there a, a possibility people can get into real estate if English is not their first language? Every day. Yeah. Every minute of the day of every day of the mm -hmm. week, every week of the month, every month of the year. Yeah. 1,000%. 1,000%. Yeah. I mean, I have... So here, here's a great story. You need, to, you need to go into the podcast that I have and you need to uh, see Hugh, Hugh Boy, uh, Hugh... And uh, he came here at 16 years old with no English and was very, very scared and uh, very uh, anxious about his accent. Mm. And now he is literally crushing it with cold calls himself, himself. It's a great interview to watch. And uh, I think it's titled like I hated cold calling. And uh, it's just wildly inspirational. Uh, yeah, Brent, in the past, you mentioned you're not a Tim Ferriss fan. I'm just curious about what the story is behind that. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't believe in the four hour work week. He also said that if you know 10% more than anybody else on a topic, you can teach it. I think that that's ridiculous. And I just don't like, I, I don't know. There, there's people that are doing it for, I, I feel like he's very selfish in my opinion in the way that he communicates and the things that he does and the things that he puts out, he puts it out after very little. I don't think he's an expert. I think he's an mm -hmm. expert at being an expert at stuff, which is interesting. So I, I just don't, you, you read things and you're like, oh, okay, I know who he's writing it to. He wants to get the low, low, like just, Oh, inspirational about whatever else. And it's mm -hmm. not really stuff that it's more theory than it is experience. He's a great interviewer, incredible interviewer. Uh, and I think that that's that's his superpower. Um, but when it comes to his four-hour work week and all that, it's 
it's all theory hours. yeah it, well it's all theory stuff yeah. i mean it's all it's all silly it's all yeah anyway uh, Vanessa, hi, we are working on locking up a deal. Oh, hello, Vanessa. The seller said yes over the phone and to call him tomorrow to sign the contract. Well, fantastic. Call him up and uh, come back and tell us what the deal is all about. That is awesome, Vanessa. Mm -hmm. Let's ring the bell for Vanessa, by the way. That is incredible. Here we go. Nice. Get it locked up. Addison, how quick do private lenders want their money back? Depends. Depends Every on the note. Yep. Every private lender is different. Oh, uh, private. Um, like with, with Luke and them doing private money for those guys, I'm just kind of like, here you go. Let me, you know, take mm -hmm. take this amount and, and do what you can and pay me. Um, and then sometimes we just do it on a deal-by-deal -deal basis. So just keep them updated. What, what, uh, what they do with me is I've got a Google Sheets that's updated, right, and active, and we're all in it. And I know exactly on a weekly basis what the update is on those deals. And I think that when you do that, when you communicate, then they're fine with it as long as they're making money. Mm -hmm. But if they need it for something else or they, they have a different strategy or whatever else, you have to understand that as well. Justin. Uh, signing the first contract literally as we speak during this show, everybody, for 10K profit. The second deal will be wholetailed for roughly 20K profit on the two deals. Come on, Dylan. Listen, Dylan just did 10,000. I mean, he obviously, he's been working on these deals. But right now, he just assigned a deal while watching the show for 10,000. 10, 10 smackaroonies. Don't you get <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Isaiah, what's the most effective outreach method for agents? I've done the mass text to agents and have spoken to some, but I feel like I'm not Call making them. progress. Call them. They're a commercial you, number. You have to. Yeah, get them on the phone. You literally have to. You can get all of them. I mean, you could do it. You could just literally go to realtor.com and go down the line and, and just start calling from there. If you're going to hand dial, if you want to go faster, go to Dr. Bill's real estate agent list, download it in your area, put it into a dialer and call them. Seriously, that'll make it go a lot faster. But if you want to do it one by one and you don't have a budget for, for that, but you have to have, get them on the phone. Every agent is getting a bazillion texts right now. I am an agent. I get at least three texts a day from, from everybody that Jamil has talked to on his <laughs> platforms. Right? I, they're all Astro students. I know it. Yeah. And they're doing a great job, but it, you have to get past that. If I'm getting three and I haven't been active or whatever else, I know that they're not even, they don't, they're, they're blasting it out to everybody. I haven't used my real estate license in years for like representing somebody. So I would go after the people that are actually doing deals out there and really, um, and, and call them up and have a conversation with them. Very easy to delete a text, but leaving a voicemail, at least you have a more chance Well, you're, try, you're trying to get lowest hanging fruit, and then mm -hmm. are the lowest hanging fruit actually doing deals, actually finding you opportunities? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, nice. My focus is agent outreach for the next 12 months. Rock on. Any advice? I'm looking to do 10 offers a day. Best advice? Awesome. Um, talk to them. That's that's yeah. really all it is. It's, I know it sounds so simple that we keep saying, but it truly is. Give them a script. Talking to them. Give them a script. If you're, if you're hitting up a cold call, right? Talking to an agent, calling an agent up. That you're putting an offer in. That you're putting an offer in? Okay. So if you're putting an offer in, just like, hey, what offers do you have on this house at the moment? Right? Eliminate. See if you have anything. Okay, perfect. Listen, I buy- You a, say, hi, I'm- Well, you, you're licensed, so it's a little I am different. licensed, yes. You have a little, you have a little easier way to open up the door. If, if, you, if you didn't have a license, I remove your license. Right? Now you're just a civilian. Okay? <laughs> right? 
So right. you go out there and you would say, well, uh, I saw this I listing. Say, hey, Brent, I saw your listing on 123 East Banana Street. I was wondering, do you have any offers on at the moment? And they're going to say, hey, are you an agent? It's like, no, I'm a, I'm an interested buyer. I just wanted to know a little more about the property. And you can even play the naive, naive, naivety, yeah, naive card and just be like, I heard a lot of properties getting multiple offers. I just wanted to check um, because I respect your time. Yep. Right. And then from there, they may explain to you a little more. They may not reveal anything to you. But then after that, you understand the full story of the property where it currently sits. I love the area of the property. Why is the seller wanting to sell this property? Find the pain point. And then after that, go on and hey, listen, I'm looking to put an offer down on this property. Mm -hmm. Brent, I don't have an agent. Would you mind representing me on this transaction? Yeah. Well, perfect. What would you say is the price that I should go in on this? Yeah. And then if it's list price, list what price. do you say? Well, listen, I'm an investor. I want to fix up this house. I want to make the neighborhood yeah. a little nicer. But as an investor, I need to make a margin on it. And the list price just doesn't work. 60% of that list price. I need to be a little lower. Will you represent <laughs> me with this offer? You'd have them try to represent you at 60%. There's no way. You never know, but you don't yeah. know what the pain point may yeah. be. They, the seller may just want to unload. But yeah. the, the key here is you got to talk to them and find out the pain point, find out what hurts and start pushing on that area. Then you can start figuring out, okay, cool. This offer may just work. They're Love out it. there. Yep. Keep doing. If you had to start over today, what programs or systems would you use to get your first deal in the next 30 days? Dealmachine.com. I would drive around. I would find, this is exactly what I did, Michael. This is how I did my first um, 20 deals. Uh, with no CRM and uh, hand dialing, I would just go and find the ugliest properties that I can. And I would try to talk to 200 of them. So here's the thing, a couple different things, right? So you're typically going to get a seven to 10% contact rate. So you have to have, you know, 10 to, I, I'm sorry, 2000 to 3000 addresses. I would get as many driving for dollars leads as you possibly can start with a hundred but now you need another uh, 1,900 or uh, 2,400 leads, all right? I would pull a list from batch leads, and I would get all of the distressed properties that I can. I would get the tired landlords. I would get the vacant properties. I would do tired multifamily. I would pull those lists. I'm pretty sure that you can pull those for free when you when you try their trial. I think they give you, what, 5,000 addresses or something that you can pull for free with the TTP code on batch leads. And so between the two, I would get batch leads and I would get deal machine. I would uh, then skip trace those and I would call them. Now, if you have zero dollars, you have to door knock. That's it. You have to, you have to go out there and door knock. That's if you want to go direct to seller. If you want to go and talk to agents, what do you suggest? Realtor.com, Zillow.com. Just call up the agents. It's free right there. And you can hand dial like you have zero dollars, hand dial it on your cell phone. Just start calling down the list. Yep. It's, as, it's truly as simple as that, right? Yep. And then call and uh, see if they have any off-market properties, see if they have on-market properties, Always. if they take a lower offer, what? Everything, because you want to make sure, what offers do you, or what uh, listings do you currently have? Do you have any unlisted properties that are coming up that looks just like this one? What if you went on the, uh, on Zillow mm -hmm. and you found all the properties did, on Zillow or on Redfin, can you sort by days on market? Uh, I think both. You can? I think so. What if you went for every property that was over 90 days? Mm-hmm that you put in a keyword search fix up or investor special okay and you offered 60% 40% or 15% on all of them to the agents and saw if one of them stuck that's another method you can do the shotgun method just spray it out there and something will stick 
Right. It certainly can be. There's there's no one correct way yeah. to do our business, but it all stems down to one thing. It's you got to talk to them at some point. TTP, baby. Mm-hmm. You got to get on the phone with them uh, at some point and have a mm-hmm. conversation. So a couple different strategies there, Michael. I mean, you could do that. I think that, you know, if I was listening to this as somebody that was just doing it for the first time, I would be like, oh, I like that strategy Brent just said of just going on Zillow or Redfin and looking for the properties that are over 90 days that had some sort of you know, handyman or fix up, or they needed some love and, and submitting low offers on them. Are you going to get them all? I mean, I mean are, are you going to get one? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe in That's this market, play, I'm just telling numbers. I'm just, it just, it just depends on in the seller's mind. Are mm-hmm. they, is the sky falling? Cause we're in a, we're in a falling knife type of market right now, right? It's going to hurt, right? Yeah. If you catch that knife, if they accept your offer, it's going to hurt them a little bit. You know what I mean? Just because mm-hmm. they they have to get realistic. They missed the peak. I'm telling you guys, they missed the peak. It's over. I, I've seen this before. It is over. Yeah. So now it's a falling knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you calculate the offer price? Can you please break it down? I'm in Texas. Uh, to be, keep it simple, our formula comes down to the same thing. It's over 250000 mm-hmm. just like 66% of the list price. Uh, what is it? Over 150, 50, and then a hundred and under, I think was, uh, thank you. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Keep it that simple. And that's going to be, that's going down by the week. I'm mm-hmm. serious. That that's going to be 50%, uh, 35. That, that's going to go about down by 10% each of them. But next week, seriously, it's going to be 50 for, uh, 50, 35 and five. No joke. Put that back up for him so that he can see it. I would honestly, I, I would make that adjustment now. 50, mm-hmm. uh, f- uh, 35, and 5%. Would that be normal numbers in a regular market? Um, in a Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. The investors are going, we were selling at 92%. I had Jerry Norton. We had Jerry Norton on the uh, wholesale hotline on Monday. He will not buy anything that's not between three and six hundred thousand, first of all. And he's going 70% minus repairs is what he will buy at. So that means you have to be under that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he is somebody that is still buying. Those are our mm-hmm. buyers now. All the other put the buyers a hierarchy ladder, please, up. This is critical for everybody to understand. If you can get into creative financing, sell those, you can sell it at, at ARV plus because it's more terms than it is price. Okay, mm-hmm. you can still wholesale creative deals where you go in and you get a sub two or you do a creative financing or whatever else. The institutional ones, gone. Owner-occupied, gone. There's going to be more houses on the market. They don't need your deals anymore, right? There's going to be people are just going to put it on the market. Value-add properties, maybe a little bit. If you can sell them for, you know, value-add means that it's a small house. They had 1,000 square feet and they they take the advantage of the price per square foot because it costs them 150 to build it, but they sell it for 400,000. These are in markets where the average list price is over 400,000. This isn't most areas. Mm-hmm. Airbnb, gone. Rental portfolio, super low now. Burr, gone. So what is left, guys? You got creative financing, you got fix and flippers. The middle is gone. I mean, you got other wholesalers that'll sell your deals to fix and flippers, mm-hmm. but the middle is gone right now. Interest rates just totally absorbed them. They, they have evaporated. 15 to 30% of all deals canceled in June. The writing is on the wall. You have to sell it and you have to get them at a discount. And, and, and that's going to be the normal market moving forward because sellers 
that have been on the sideline, just waiting, just taking their time. Oh, <laughs> can't wait to sell. I'm going to make so much. I'm going to just wait this thing out. You missed. The, the conversations yeah. that we've been having for a year with our sellers is, listen, it's going to peak. We're getting up there. It's going to peak. It's over. Now the conversation, it's over. We have to be 20% less than we were with our original offer. And it's a fist fight right now. My acquisition managers hate it. Ryan and Chad hate it right now because they can lock up deals that they couldn't before because people are ready to go and we have to get them way lower. And now you have to have that conversation. Yep. But it's better having that conversation than, than putting them in a position where we lock them up and then have it's to get a price high. reduction afterwards because mm -hmm. they don't sell. I'm telling you, I would say 90% of cash buyers just evaporated in the last six weeks. And that's no joke. But there's still so many deals. There's still so many mm -hmm. opportunities. There's still people that feed their family by flipping properties and, and, and building rental portfolios. But they're, they're all waiting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Monte, when on market, how do you go about marketing to buyers? If I got the property under contract and looking to assign the contract, uh, how we do it is we actually text our VIP buyers. You know, it's a very personal connection because they're our best buyers. So we don't need to email blast or do any of this. We text them and we just tell them, Hey, the pictures on the Zillow on, on the Zillow, on, on the Zillow, on the Zillow, they're on Zillow. Here's the price from us. And the, the conversation, if it's a newer buyer and it, they say, oh, it's on market, it's like, well, it's exclusively avail available through me. I was able to get it at this said price. A deal's a deal. Do not put these deals on the Facebook. Seriously, right? Yes. On market deals to put them on like Facebook, Facebook Marketplace. Could you imagine? Do not put them on yeah. the Facebook or the Zillow and the <laughs> Facebook. I just chambered it. I just had to, you know. <laughs> I like it from the movie uh david i love that how do you pull comps for arv in non-disclosure states such as texas i will ask the agent i'm working with for comps but want to know if there's a more effective efficient way appreciate what you guys do you're always going to have to have an agent in your pocket and batch leads batch leads will do the estimate on it for you estimated price so what they do is it's a calculation on uh what was it listed for these are for like properties that were on the market and I don't know if they're going to be able to do the off-market properties. Um, they might be able to do an estimate on that, but you need to get in the pocket of an agent to really refine that for sure. Will trustee know where notice of defaults are published? County recorder's offer doesn't have it. Foreclosures daily doesn't provide them there. They're not on the MLS. What market are you in, Powerful? That's wild. I don't know why foreclosures daily wouldn't have it. I would also look at Property Radar. Incredible, incredible uh, company there. Uh, how about land? We still use in 0.2. No, you're at 10% is what they'll buy it at. Because a lot of the construction costs, interest rates have gone up. And construction costs have just been bananas. Yes. People talking about inflation. It came out that it's like 9%. It's not 9%. Gas is like 40%. Food is 50%. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like... Everything has gone bananas. I, 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 construction, I mean, construction costs yeah. 20, 30 percent. I don't know where they're getting the nine percent. Who's no? I, I get it's everything. Yeah, I feel, I feel not, like, like yeah. Like it's yep. expensive. Uh, Isaiah, how do you recommend finding wholesalers who need assistance uh, dispositioning their deals? I feel like that would be a viable alternative to coming out of the gate spending money on marketing. Finding who need assistance. Just depends if you're deals. in a major market in mm -hmm. TTP Insider. We have a JV button. 
we've got access to uh, three million buyers throughout the country. So if it's a if it's a real deal and it's in a major market, we can help you sell it. Uh, you can also reach out to all of the different Kegelies that are around. You could just Google that. Um, mm-hmm. We'd love to work with you, Isaiah, if you're in a major market. Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for trustee, I would assume that it's a public that it's a public disclosure, but maybe not. I mean, I don't know. Um, I'd have to look at, I'd have to talk to somebody in Kansas City. Is anybody in here in Kansas City that works with foreclosures? There's got to be somewhere. Um, Batch should have them. Batch should have them. Um, yeah, Batch leads. Check it out. Anthony, just submitted my first offer through Agent Outreach. Way to go. I feel just talking to Agent makes so much more sense. Uh, they're missing the link. Congratulations, my friend. I'm happy uh, that it kind of clicked for Ring you. Ring that bell, Albert. Woo. Feel how sensitive it is, it is right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. You, you, you weren't... Uh... He wasn't uh, afraid of that at all. Okay. I like <laughs> it that. It breaks. It breaks. Yeah. Hey, congratulations, Anthony. Keep that up. Keep reaching out to agents. Keep talking to them, and you're going to get in your flow. Uh, things are just going to start clicking real well for you. So congratulations. Let's get a deal. Yeah, we'll go one more question, and then we'll do the blueprint for Millionaire Before yes. 30. Addison, is it a bad time to buy rentals? What if a reno could take six months to a year? How could that affect one's rate come 2023? Great question. Number one, it's never a bad time to buy rentals at the right price. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why people are laughing. I mean, good. listen, cash flow. It's a cash flow thing. Right. So if you get it at the right price, it doesn't matter what interest rate. Well, it does matter what interest rates are, but mm. uh, interest rates aren't going to be stuck here forever. You can always refinance once it comes down. But for for um, if you get it at the right price and it's cash flowing, um, I always take 40% off the top of rent. At, at And if it's cash flowing at 60% to the rent, you're in the right spot. Um, and that's taking it off for... Um, that is for vacancy. That's for mm-hmm. repair costs. That's for uh, management fees. That's for it's basically it. Uh, insurance, you know. But um, so you're saying if you cash, if your rental is renting at a thousand bucks and it gets cash flowing six hundred, yeah, you're in a good spot. I need to be at like five hundred on my payment. Gotcha. Yep. Uh, and then if it takes six months to a year, assume it's going to be twenty percent less in a year. Seriously, seriously. It's going to be eight percent by the end of the year interest rates. So if you if it makes sense at twenty percent less in a year, then do it. This is why everybody's pausing because they're waiting to see how far this thing's going to go because they don't want to be upside down on a renovation that they're doing that's going to take them six years, six months to a, a year. year. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why we have to get lower, lower, lower prices. Right. And and it depends on what market you're in, Addison. I'm just speaking mostly for Phoenix, um, but I will say. Uh, I would say probably 10% national average. I don't, is it going to dip that much? I don't know. Do I want you to feel safe and secure? Yes. And everybody's just worried that, you know, nobody knows what's going to happen with inflation and interest and the whole thing. Now, the reason they raise inflation, I mean, raise interest rates is so that there's not as much money circulating. The reason we have inflation is because some government officials have made the decision to pump a bunch of mo- a bunch more cash into markets. There mm-hmm. are certain states that have gotten uh, significant billions and billions, hundreds of billions and billions and billions because they wanted to keep the economies closed down. They want to keep people locked in during uh, the pandemic. That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think it's what, 44 
What, 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 how many trillion was, was put out there? 44 trillion or something? Printed or something? Will somebody pull that up? It was a uh, lot. How, how much money was printed in um, uh, since the pandemic? It was quite astonishing. I remember yeah. seeing the graph on it. We printed more money than we did in the past two years than we have for the past, I believe, 40 years. Yeah. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot more money. And that's why people can are, are charged more. So mm -hmm. 13 trillion. There you go. $13 trillion. So um, that's just the after effects mm -hmm. of, of what, what everybody went through with, with the COVID situation. So it is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, just make sure that you're being real conservative and yeah, just make sure that you're getting better discounts from your sellers. They've missed it. They, they totally missed it. They have no idea what's about to hit them. People that have owned these properties and their appreciation has gone up, it's gonna it's gonna squeeze back. People still there's still eleven trillion in in uh, tappable equity. So mm -hmm. anyway, crazy. We love you guys. We're gonna put this thing up. Uh, here you go. First thing first. Millionaire before thirty blueprint number one. Do a deal. Do a deal. Yes. Make some income. Pull it out of the ether, out of the air, through this thing. Find an opportunity to make some income outside of somebody paying you. Yes, sir. All right. Once you guys do that, turn it into a full-time business. Turn it into that asset that is your cash cow that is starting to produce more income and doing the deals over and over and over. Because once you're able to do that full-time business, put all your energy into it, you get to move up the ladder. And kill the debt. Consumer debt. Stop mm -hmm. being somebody else's ROI. Kill the debt. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is what is going to strangle your ability to uh, build your wealth is consumer debt. And I'm talking car payments. I'm talking student loans. I'm talking credit card cards. Yep. All of that. Once you get out of that debt, now you're able to have that free wealth building activities to invest in assets. This is how you build your wealth. Right. You invest in assets. You invest in things that start to pay for your lifestyle and how you want to live. And ultimately... You're able to achieve what we're Financial all working freedom. for. Financial freedom is, you can just change that with control over the time you have left. What do you want to do? Who do you, you want to help? Do you have a cause? Mm -hmm. Do you uh, want to write books? Do you want to travel? Do you want to keep doing business? Do you want to whatever, mm -hmm. you know, learn how to do the splits? I don't know what you want to do, <laughs> but you'll have the control and freedom to be able to do it. So that is the goal is financial freedom. I'm telling you, once you don't have to worry about um, money, it really frees your brain up to doing a lot of exciting and creative things. So we love you guys. Thanks for joining us. See you guys. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at wholesalinginc.com by joining the mailing list, as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe and work personally with one of our amazing coaches. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.